Good morning. I greet you all this morning in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as we come for worship on this fourth Sunday of Lent. <laughs> Do a quick count. Good to see you all here. And of course, today is our annual meeting, which we'll have in the hall after worship, after a quick bite to eat. Um, if you do not have a copy of the annual report, there are a few copies in the hall for your use. And I think that's about it for the annual meeting. Uh, as I've said the last few weeks, there are a few positions we need to fill. Uh, something else uh, we need to have for today, and I think there's some people interested, but uh, we just need to confirm that. We need somebody to chair the meeting. Um, in previous years, I've chaired the meetings, but I was reading the manual the other uh, a couple of months ago, I'm, I'm actually not allowed to chair the annual meeting. So we'll fix that today. <laughs> a little bit of oversight. So someone can chair the meeting today. Uh, that would be wonderful. And I'll help you put together the, uh, the agenda and all that so you won't be left alone. Uh, we do have a council meeting scheduled for Tuesday night. At the end of the annual meeting, we'll decide whether or not that's necessary or not. We may not need to meet this week. And so it just depends if there's anything we have to deal with. Uh, but I think we'll be okay. I'm not anticipating anything. But the worship committee, the worship committee will still meet, and we'll meet at six. Okay, so there's some stuff that the worship committee needs to look at. Bible study will be here on Tuesday morning, and it's probably the last one. Bev says so. It'll be the last Bible study on Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. here at the church. Uh, prayer meetings do continue Sunday nights at seven, and of course everyone is invited to join us as we pray. Uh, for ourselves, our community, and our churches, as we meet with other people from other churches. Um, I think that's all the announcements I have. Does anyone have any other announcement to share? Um, we are getting bread. There's one for each okay. Right Wonderful. Thank you. There's yeah. So if you didn't hear that, at the back of the church, there's a special uh, Easter uh, our daily bread. It's a short one, so yeah, pick that up. On your way out. Anything else to share today? All right, let's just take a moment then to quiet our hearts as we prepare to worship our God this day. In John chapter 14, Jesus' disciples, they ask him, where are you going? We don't know where you're going. We don't know the way. And so Jesus then says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father. And from now on, you do know him and you have seen him. We know this because Jesus is the light. He's the way, the truth, the life, and the light. But we're walking with Jesus to the cross. And in these days that get longer, more sunlight, the days walking with Jesus get darker as he walks to his death on the cross. And so this season of Lent, we reflect on the power of the cross. We reflect on the power of the life of Jesus in our own lives. And so we extinguish another light today to recognize that darkness is coming. And we will find that darkness on Good Friday with the hope that Easter is still to come.
Let us join together in our opening prayer. Lord, as we walk with Jesus in this season of Lent, with him to his death on the cross, we walk in humility. We walk reflecting on what his death means to us. Help us, O oh God, to see the power of his sacrifice in our lives as we learn of your great love for us. Be with us in our worship today as we learn of your love shown through Jesus Christ, the one who is our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Our responsive psalm is Psalm 43. Like a deer that longs for life-giving waters, so my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for you, the source of my life. When shall I come and behold your face? Day and night I taste only tears, while they steadily belittle me, saying, Where is your God? But I remember, though my soul is distressed, how I went to the crowds to the house of God. Our, joyful, our voice is joyful and filled with praise, a multiple keeping festival, multitude keeping festival. I will go to the altar of God, to my exceeding My soul is overwhelmed within me. Therefore, I remember you in this land of Jordan, in Hermon, and on Mount Mazar. Like the turbulent roar. With loving kindness, you bless my days. And by night, your song is within me, a prayer to you, giver of life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go like a foreigner, because my foes oppress me? I am like one whose bones are broken to pieces through the taunting of my enemies. They steadily I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. Vindicate me, O God, and plead my case against faithless ones. Save me from those who are deceitful and unjust. You are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go like a mourner? Because my foes oppress me. Send your light and tr truth to lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. I will praise you with the heart, O God, my God. I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. Our opening hymn today is Giver of the Perfect Gift.
as we continue this walk with Jesus to the cross. We walk with humility. We walk with reverence. We walk in reflection of what his life means to us. And part of that growth, part of that reflection, includes reflecting on the struggles that we carry within us. And so now let us join together in a prayer confession as we offer our misgivings, as we offer our sins, as we offer our struggles to our God. Father, I often find myself struggling to follow in your way. It is the sin in my life which keeps me from your path. Lord, I invite you today to heal me of my sin and lead me in your way. God, we find love, we find mercy, we find forgiveness. As God welcomes us home to him to heal us and to set us free. Thanks be to God. Amen. morning. Our reading today is from St. Matthew, chapter 25, verses 1 to 13. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be compared to ten maidens who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise, and five were foolish. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flax of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry, Behold, the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the maidens rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, Perhaps there will not be enough for us and for you. Go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other maidens came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Word of the Lord.
Let us pray. O God, we come to you. That in the troubled waters we find healing. We find hope. We find meaning. We find life. And so, Lord, as we wade the troubled waters of life, may your word be for us this day. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. You who are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. So this winter, I was an assistant coach with the Cape Breton University track and field team. That explains why I was gone every other weekend through January and February as we traveled to meets around the Maritimes. First of all, I want to say thank you to the worship committee for filling in on the Sundays when I was away. I really, really do appreciate that. And I know that the congregation certainly appreciates that which you brought for them on those Sundays I was away. So thank you. Now as for the team itself, we had a pretty decent year for a small group. We took 13 athletes to the university championships a few weeks ago in St. John, which is, is, is a small team. Because you compare that with the Dalhousie team, which is 50 athletes plus I don't know how many staff and coaches they bring. Uh, teams like St. Mary's and, and UNB bring about 40 people or so. We're, we're a small team. We're not the smallest team, but we are a small team. In the end, though, we're pretty happy with our results from the championships. We brought back a whole bunch of new club records, school records. We brought, a lot of athletes brought back their personal best from the weekend. And we brought back a bronze medal, and we're pretty happy about that. So we use this momentum, we try to build our team, to build our strength, to build our size, as we look forward to next year. Now after Friday, Saturday, a very couple of successful days, Sunday morning we get up, and we wake up and it's minus 20 in St. John. A little colder than we anticipated. And around 9 o'clock, we load the bus for the drive home. We're about halfway between St. John and Sussex when the bus driver pulls the bus over for the third time in about a mile on the side of the highway. The bus keeps losing power. And so when he pulls over for the third time, he puts his head in his hands and says, we've got serious problems. He calls the garage. They go over a couple of details and decide they need to find a local mechanic to come and take a look at our bus. So after a while, a guy from somewhere shows up, spends just a couple of minutes looking at the bus and tells our bus driver it's not going anywhere. Now remember, we're quite literally in the middle of nowhere in New Brunswick, southern New, southern New Brunswick. Um, we need a new bus if we're going to make it home. And the bus we're sitting in is chartered at a Glace Bay. Now it seems, I've found out since, well I've found out that day, that bus breakdowns are apparently nothing terribly new. And bus charters seem to have this agreement among themselves that if a bus breaks down near where they are, they will pick up your passengers, take them somewhere appropriate, and also take care of your bus and fix it up for you. And then you'll get it back sometime later. So we have to wait for a local New Brunswick company to find a bus and a bus driver on short notice to come and rescue us. And we, so we left St. John in the freezing cold, and now we're stranded on the side of a highway on a Sunday morning 
for two and a half hours. We kill the time by chatting, and some of the athletes come up with some games they can play. Um, luckily, it's, it's a sunny day, though, and the bus is kept warm by the sun. Finally, after those two and a half hours, a second bus picks us up and takes us to Truro. And in Truro, we meet a third bus, this one from the original charter company, to bring us home. That trip from Truro to home is another story I don't care to tell, except that I'll say, Marty, our bus driver for the whole weekend, is now a passenger with us coming home. He sits in the front seat of the bus with his seatbelt on and refuses to take it off. It's a bit of a wild ride. In the end, it took us over 12 hours to get home. Needless to say that when we pulled in the parking lot at Seabue, we were plenty tired, but we were happy to be home. And what, of course, is the hardest part of those two and a half hours? Waiting. We were parked in the middle of nowhere. While the sunshine is nice, it's cold, and we're parked on the side of the highway so we can't get off the bus. So we sat, or we stood, and walked the aisle, and we waited. And we waited. We had no idea when the replacement bus was, would arrive. We just knew someone was coming from somewhere local. Well, you think about it, on a Sunday morning, they had to find a bus, and they had to find a bus driver who could spare six hours to drive us to Truro and then himself back home. So we had no idea how long it would be. Would it be an hour? Would it be five hours? What time would we get home? Seven o'clock? Midnight? Later? We waited, and we wondered. Now, I'm not a big fan of waiting. You can ask Bev. I plan to leave at 5 o'clock, I'm often ready well before that. And when I'm waiting, I pace. And it probably drives Bev a bit crazy that I just pace around the house, waiting for the time to go. If I'm going by myself, I'll probably leave early, which means I just end up waiting on the other side. The team learned earlier in the season how good I am at waiting. They had gotten themselves in the habit of showing up for the bus like at the last minute. We're going to leave at 9 they show up at like 8.59, or late. And so one time, when we didn't have that far to go, I told the bus driver to pull away, to leave. And sure enough, people are coming out the door, and the bus keeps going. Now, I didn't abandon them, because it was only about a 10-minute walk to where we had to go. So they learned then to be on time, or early, preferably. The other, the other, another coach on, with me on that trip, he's worse than I am. He would have left early and left them behind. But I at least waited till the minute that we said we were leaving. But as we're sitting on the side of the bus on the highway, waiting, the team surprised me. They were very patient. They were not, there was not a single complaint. They were amazing. And I suppose, what could we do? I mean, it was, the bus broke down, and that's out of our control. But they made the best they could out of those two and a half hours. Some of them had exams, so they studied. A couple had homework to do, so they did their homework. They played their games. They sat and they chatted. They were on their phones, texting or calling. They, uh, some of them had a nap. I wish I could have had a nap, but I don't sleep well when I'm away from home. So just waiting and waiting and waiting. Wondering and waiting, pacing and waiting, staying awake and waiting. In a sense, though, we were ready, we were prepared. 
We had a good breakfast before we hit the road. Many of us still had food left over in our bags from when we stocked up our hotel fridges for the weekend at the grocery store. We had birthday cake left over from celebrating someone's birthday the night before. So we had food, we had friends, the bus had a bathroom. What more did we need? Well, except for a bus that works. The parable we're looking at today, Jesus tells us about some women who are waiting. And some translations say bridesmaids or maids. The more accurate translation would be ten virgins. These women, they're, te- they're anticipating the arrival of a bridegroom, a potential husband. And I suppose in some ways it's a bit of a precursor to those kind of bachelor shows you see on TV. Everybody's kind of lining up, hoping to be picked, be handed the rose or whatever it is they do, to be, their, to be his wife. We're told that five of the women are wise and some not so much. And they head out in the evening to wait for near the city gates. And we're told that five of them, the wise ones, they bring extra oil for the lamps. And the others did not. Finally, around midnight, it is announced, he is here, come and meet him. But only the five who brought extra oil were able to keep their lamps lit long enough to see in the darkness, to go to him. The other five were left in the darkness lost, could not get there. When the five wise women did not share their oil, the other five, well, they're stuck trying to find a 24-hour oil shop so they can relight their lamps. Meanwhile, the, the wise ones, they head off with the bridegroom to the party. By the time the others get oil and light their lamps, It's too late. The party's already started. The door is shut and locked. They cannot get in. This parable comes just after Jesus tells his followers that they will not know when the Lord will come, when the Lord will return. So he tells them, be prepared, be ready. I used to be a Boy Scout growing up. So, you know, they're saying, the slogan is, be prepared. So I try to be prepared as much as I can. When Hurricane Fiona was coming last fall, Bev and I were looking at it and said, this could be bad, so we better figure out something in case we lose power. So I went to the store and bought a couple things that I could turn my hybrid into a generator, the car, so we could run our fridge and sump pump if we needed it. And when we did lose power, and it looked like we were going to lose power for days, I hooked it all up and it powered our, our fridge, our freezer, our sump pump, a lamp, and a radio for us for four days. For four days straight, the car ran. It cost us $14. And if it should happen again, I went out and bought just a couple extra pieces to help make it a little more efficient and a little more useful for us. We just don't know when the storms will come. Just like we don't know when Jesus will return either. But Jesus is telling us, be ready, be prepared for what is to come. What's interesting, when you look at this parable at a first glance, It seems like the women are being punished for not staying awake and alert. And you could come to that conclusion fairly easily. Because Jesus ends the parable by saying, Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. So, you could easily say, well, he's telling you to stay awake. Be ready. But when you read the parable, you realize that every woman fell asleep. All ten of them were asleep. So who are the ones who are rewarded? 
The ones who are rewarded are the ones who have the extra oil. The five who thought ahead, so what if he's going to be late? So packed extra oil so they would be ready. The parable is warning us about what is to come. At the end of the world, or whenever that may be, Jesus is telling us to be ready for his return. In the chapter before, Jesus is setting up the story. He tells us how one day there will be two men working in a field. One will be taken and one will be left behind. And there will be two women working at the mill. One will be taken and one will be left behind. Now what you need to realize is that the men in the field, the women in the mill, they're doing the same work. They're doing the same thing, but only one is taken and one is left behind. Only one is chosen by God for their reward. I talked last week about a a man in a parable Jesus told who came to a wedding party looking for a good time. He didn't really care about the importance or significance of the event. And he was just thrown out into the street. He was not ready. He was doing the bare minimum, content with just getting by with as little effort as possible. The ten women, the ten virgins, five of them did not think ahead. They didn't prepare themselves if there was going to be a delay. And when they had to wait longer than than they had anticipated, they ran out of oil for their lamps while they slept. This parable, it is touching on the end times. The time when Jesus will come to renew and refresh the earth. It also touches on who will be included in those days. But it's also touching on what we do in the meantime. What do we do while we're waiting for his return? So what is there to do? What, what does this mean? When we look at the world around us, we see a lot of pain, we see a lot of suffering. You know, you look at Ukraine, you look at Africa, the Middle East, Central and South America, parts of Asia. We see lives being destroyed. And why, do, why are these lives being destroyed? It's being done for financial gain. Companies. For example, mining companies are tearing up Central America simply because they're able to pay off government officials and get by the laws. Even happens here in Canada. In fact, it's Canadian companies that are doing a lot of this work in Central America. And because of it, and because of their disregard for their environment and environmental laws, the local people are suffering in poverty and poisoning of their land. There are people living in desperate poverty all over the world, including here in Sydney Mines. People's lives are being ruined by addiction. People's lives are suffering with mental illness. People are dying of things like cancer. When we look at all these things, it weighs on us. And we just want to cry out like we read in the Psalms again and again, How long, O Lord, how long? And we wait, and we wait, and we wait. We wait on God's promises to to restore the earth and to restore the lives of of those who follow him. So how long do we wait? What do we do while we wait? Now maybe, maybe you're ready. Maybe you read your Bible and say your prayers every day. Maybe Jesus is already a key figure in your life. That's wonderful. It seems like you're ready. So what do we do while we wait? When I read that only five of the ten women thought to save on some oil, bring extra oil, 
I, I kind of imagine that one or two of them thought, well, what if he's going to be late? Maybe we'll throw a little extra oil in here. And maybe they told one or two of the others. And so that, you know, just in case. But not all of them heard that advice. So five of them were left unprepared for that later than expected arrival. If you're ready today, then what about helping others get ready? What about leading? What about guiding? What about sharing? So that when Jesus does return, it's not too late. What about helping them understand the power of God in their own lives in such a way that when the time comes, they're not left out of the party by finding locked doors? This is a bit of a harsh reality Jesus has set up for us. It's hard for us to imagine that someone could be left out of God's kingdom, maybe even someone we love. Yet here Jesus says plainly, not everyone is going to make it. So while we wait, there's a lot we can be doing to help others prepare. And this work isn't necessarily about standing up and preaching or evangelizing to people on the streets. It's just simply serving in the name of Jesus to those who struggle in their lives, to give them a glimpse of hope, to show them that God does indeed love them too and that opens up their hearts to receive what God has in store for them. Faith, faith is not rocket science. Think about Good Friday. Remember, there are three people crucified on that day. Jesus and two others. And one of the criminals simply asks Jesus to remember him when he enters his kingdom. And what does Jesus say back to him? On this day, you will be with me in Paris. Turning to Jesus, opening our hearts to him as Lord and Savior is not rocket science. It's simply seeking to return to a relationship a relationship our soul longs to restore with our Creator. So while we wait, let's be ready. Let's remain ready. And let's help others get ready as well. In a world that is hurting, let's be a healer. Let's be a source of hope. Let God's love infuse our lives, our church, our town, and our world by turning to Him and being ready for His return which could happen at any time. Let us follow Jesus Christ wherever he may lead with hearts ready for all that he has to offer. Amen. Our next hymn is Come Down, O Love Divine.
Let us join our hearts in a time of prayer. Let us pray. Lord, we come. We come as a thankful people. We come as people thankful for this church, for this family we have in this place. We thank you, Lord, for the blessings you give to us, for our friendships, for our leadership, for help, for forgiveness and freedom. Lord, as we think ahead to our annual meeting happening shortly, Lord, we pray that your spirit will guide us, that whatever we discuss this day will be done with your heart, not our heart, that we will do your will and not our will, that we will follow you wherever you may lead us as we reflect on the year gone by, but also look to what is to come for us as your church. Lord, we ask you to bless us, to guide us, to watch over us, and to help us serve. To serve in love to those who are in need, both in our church, but also in our community. Lord, we also come with other concerns in our hearts today. We pray for those who do have suffering and pain in their lives all over this world. We pray for those who live in poverty, for those who live in parts of this world where tragedy and struggles are a daily way of life. And we know that is even a problem for people in our own community, oh God. And so we lift them all to you, that they may find hope, they may find healing, they might find peace, that they may be ready to receive all that you have for them. Lord God, we just lift to you right now our own prayers that we carry with us today. Lord, may your spirit be upon those people and places and situations we pray for today. May you bring comfort. May you bring healing. May you bring hope. And Lord, if we are to be an answer to these questions that we have, these prayers that we have, Lord, would you speak to us? Would you guide us? Would you lead us into how we can be your hands and your feet in this world today, offering love and peace to all who need it? Lord, we lift all these prayers to you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. And we pray as he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. As we do the work of the church together, we receive God's blessing in our lives, so that we may bless others. May we offer that blessing to those in need this day. Our offering will now be received. of love and peace. We commit ourselves to you with all our hearts and all we have. Take our offering this day and use it to fulfill your will. We pray in the name of our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. A closing hymn this morning has come to my heart.
Let us welcome the Lord Jesus into our heart this day as we walk with him to the cross of our salvation. Let us know that he lives and breathes within us wherever we go so that we may be his hands, his feet, in a world that is desperate to receive his love. Let us go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God and each and every one of us, now and forever. Amen. Amen.